A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. It just so happens that we can learn something from our dairy and grain producer counterparts out of state. In fact, there's some great collaborations where problems in one state, like in Pennsylvania, can lead to solutions in others, like here in Wisconsin. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. John Wallace is an extension weed specialist at Penn State University with a focus on cover crops. He's got details on how your farm can integrate cover crops into your rotation. We're always looking for non-chemical weed control tactics that, that farmers can adapt to their system, right? And so we have some great new technologies coming along, but cover crops are can be a really important component of a weed management program and it's a scalable practice and so a lot of my work focuses on how do we integrate cover crops either into cash grain rotations or in a forage grain crop rotation and how can we kind of optimize cover crop management to really improve weed suppression potential. What are some of the benefits of utilizing cover crops for weed management versus your traditional herbicide regimen? Well, first of all, we know that cover crops provide early season weed control. It's not complete. Uh, it doesn't provide uh, full season weed control. Uh, and it's somewhat species specific. And so, you know, we do a better job of controlling small seeded summer annual species. And, and those are some of our more problematic weeds. But it's not necessarily a tool for some large seeded broadleaves or perennial weed species that we might deal with. But cover crops are perhaps the only weed control tool that provide a lot of other services. And so in Pennsylvania, a lot of farmers are motivated to cover crop to improve soil health and improve soil conservation. And so there's already this incentive to to cover crop. And so our work asks, is there some small adjustments or things that you can do in your cover crop management to get that added benefit of weed suppression? And a lot of that then has to do with how do we integrate cover crop management with our herbicide-based weed control programs, right? And so um, how do we find ways in which they complement each other? How do we avoid issues where they might not work well together? So when you listed uh, some of the cover crops that you work with, I was kind of blown away. I imagine, you know, with so many different options and then so many different regions, soil types, that one size doesn't fit all. How do you even begin making a recommendation for someone to implement cover cropping? Well, I think there's a couple things. One, what is your window? What's your crop rotation? In Pennsylvania, we have kind of a longer growing season window to establish cover crops. So after corn silage or after a small grain, and that kind of dictates what types of species we have available to us. Now, when we have more time in the fall to establish a cover crop, we have more options. We can use grasses. We can successfully establish legume cover crops or brassica cover crops. And when we have a shorter growing season window, we have more limited options. And so in Pennsylvania, after we harvest corn for grain or soybeans for grain, we're, we're almost exclusively locked into being able to grow a winter cereal as a cover crop. And so that would be cereal rye, triticale, or, or winter wheat. And we're just much less successful at establishing legumes and brassicas. And then the, the other consideration is then how long do you plan on letting that cover crop grow in the spring, right? And that may also dictate 
your species selection. And so in Pennsylvania, there's this interest in, in allowing cover crops to go longer. Growers are interested in this idea of continuous living cover. They're realizing the benefits of growing higher biomass cover crops. And so that kind of shapes how we think about species selection. And there's also different methods of planting your cover crops. So the post-harvest seeding after the after the cash crop would be the standard practice. And if you have a grain drill, it takes longer to get over acres, but we think there's a benefit to getting that seed in the ground and, and good seed to soil contact. Broadcasting allows you to get over more acres more quickly. And we've been investigating interseeding for those areas that really have very short growing season windows after harvesting a grain crop. Like Wisconsin. Like Wisconsin. The upper Midwest uh, is an active area for kind of interseeding research as well as the Northeast and parts of Pennsylvania. There's a lot of growers that are taking corn off when the snow flies and after uh, the ground uh, is frozen. And so in those cases, there's just, there's no growing season window to have a cover crop established and provide the overwintering benefits that we get, right? And so some of that is just prevention of soil erosion, nitrogen scavenging and making sure we're, we're keeping nutrients in the system and there's a number of other benefits and so interseeding is it's a it requires specialized equipment it says you know so there's some upfront cost to kind of adapting that approach but we're still investigating it because we just know that a, a lot of our acres are just constrained by the environment they're constrained by the lack of that growing season window Let's say you're on a corn soy rotation. Uh, you're not able to plant corn because, as you said, ground's frozen when you harvested. Does it make sense to only do it every other year with beans, or does that kind of take away the point? Uh, we also struggle getting cover crops established after full-season soybeans as well, but anytime you can establish a cover crop, even if it's only in one part of your rotation, you're gaining some benefits. So you're getting more diversity out there. You're um, breaking up different weed life cycles. And so if it's if it's just after corn where you think it fits or just after soybeans, that's, that's a start. And I think what growers find is that they always have to start somewhere. And once they learn how to manage those cover crops, adapt them to their system and figure out what's what works, then they start to see other possibilities and, and how to fit cover crops in other parts of the rotation. Gosh, is there anything else I should be asking you about what farmers should be thinking about this time of year when it comes to covers or about your research? Well, I think um, I would say this time of year we're just we're starting to think about it won't be too long before we, we, we see spring green up. And so cover crops also come with a lot of added, more intensive management to, to make sure that you're getting all the benefits. And so in our no-till systems where we have cover crops out there on the landscape at this time of year, you have to be thinking about, do I have you know, option A and option B ready for terminating that cover crop? And I think it needs to be terminated. The past couple of years, herbicide shortages have been a big issue, and that included some of the herbicides that are really important vegetation management tools like glyphosate that we need to use for for managing cover crops and so 2023 doesn't look to be quite as much of a problem when it comes to herbicide availability but that's still going to be an issue and so if you have cover crops out there I would say make sure that you have the right products in place to, to really be able to manage that cover crop kill it when you think it needs to be killed so that you can start off in a good spot and a good fit field to plant. Are cover crops for everybody? <laughs> no, I don't think they're for everybody, but I think that cover crops are certainly scalable. So I think cover crops work on a small farm and they work on a large farm. 
I think that cover crops provide enough and a diversity of, of kind of benefits that there's probably a benefit that would work on most farms and are a reason to think about integrating cover crops. And so, you know, in some farms, no-till practices and like high-yielding core environments with a lot of residue, perhaps it's not the soil erosion protection that's, that's critical, but maybe it's a, it's a different benefit that the cover crop is going to provide. Do you work with researchers at UW, or do you have any interesting collaborations? I have a great colleague uh, in the Extension Weed Scientist, Rodrigo Worley, and, and the Wisconsin Weed Science Team. And so uh, I know that, that that program is heavily invested in thinking about these types of integrated weed management tactics. Uh, I am a part of a program or a research uh, project uh, that Rodrigo and his crew are leading on how we manage water hemp with cover crops. And, and that's a problem not just in Wisconsin, but in Pennsylvania and other areas. And so I've really benefited from that collaboration with, with Wisconsin folks. Mark Renz, uh, the other weed scientist that, that focuses on perennial crops, um, given that we're a dairy state, we've also um, participated on a, on a few projects together, thinking about weed management and perennial forages. And then follow up to the water hemp. Easy advice, brief advice for folks who do have a water hemp problem. How do they integrate cover crops? Uh, my message, and I, and I think, um, I hope that the Wisconsin Weed Science crew would feel similarly, is that there's uh, definitely a benefit for integrating cover crops into your rotation when it comes to managing water hemp and some of these other resistant weed species. And so having a nice surface mulch produced by a cover crop can suppress a portion of water hemp that's, that's emerging. Uh, it's not going to do um, the complete job, so you have to integrate good herbicide programs to be successful. And so the management goal is to be weed-free at the end of the year when you're dealing with those species so you can drive down the seed bank and, and uh, be in a better spot as you move through the rotation. And so what we have found in our work is that uh, that surface mulch probably helps delay germination and it provides you with a maybe a longer management window in crop to be able to uh, get out there at the right time to apply a post-emergence herbicide. And so it's hard to put a, a dollar sign on what the value of that is. And I think that's that's one thing that I, I like to talk about is that I don't know how you price that in when you're thinking about the return on investment. But I do know that weather is oftentimes the driver of failed weed control programs, labor constraints. And so having a greater window, more flexibility to be timely with, with herbicide applications is a big deal and a, and a big benefit from having a, a cover crop in place. John Wallace along with us. He's an extension weed specialist out of Penn State University and a speaker at the 2023 Wisconsin Agribusiness Classic. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.